So, um, well, of course, it's the last day of the year, and uh, you have a summer ahead of you. And it's important uh, that uh, this time of the summer, uh, you profit from this summer well. And um, so I thought perhaps, uh, you know, we could look into some ideas that are largely uh, more philosophical than usual, um, and that can give you an idea of how this time of the summer can really be um, uh, oriented and framed in a way that can be truly uh, enriching. And this is why I want to talk a little bit about the, the nature of rest in, in our society today, which let's say, is, is very uh, dysfunctional in the way rest really ought to be in the light of uh, our creation in God. And uh, you'll recall there's many passages in the Gospel uh, where the Lord says, Come to me, all you who are wearied, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. And uh, what exactly does that mean? I will give, like, I, you're tired, you're wearied, it doesn't necessarily refer to a, a physical weary. I'm too tired. I'm working too hard. I've been running crazy, but now, now I can just like finally. The Lord is gonna like. I'm just gonna like veg out, you know. Uh, or that passage in the uh, also in the, the Gospel of Saint Mark, after the miraculous draft, uh, not miraculous, uh, you know, the multiplication of loaves and fish, um, the Lord says, "Let us go to a quiet place." in order to rest, because it says they didn't even have time to eat. And uh, the apostles told them everything they did and, uh, and what they had taught. So let, let us go to a quiet place to rest. And there are other passages like this where they go into the mountains, they go to a, a place set aside, and even then when they do that, people still go after them, right? And, uh, and so what, is, what does that really mean when he says, I will give you rest, and he takes his apostles aside and gives them rest. He clearly takes his apostles aside to do something very, very enriching. Uh, that is, he takes them aside to a place where they can very, very deeply be formed. And probably, when you think of all the things that they remembered, it was probably in those moments in which they were resting. And, and it was very important for them not to stay with the Lord in a kind of a superficial way, you know, Peter with his feet up and just having a beer and, you know, we're resting here, you know, they just lie in the grass or something like that. Um, and it's clear that that moment of rest was not a time to stay on the surface. It was a time for them to be deeply, deeply formed in what it meant to be an apostle of Jesus Christ and what it meant to really integrate the good news that the Lord was teaching through those miracles and, it, well, his actual teaching and how to really, truly integrate that. And that integration was shown with this word rest. And um, because for them to be able to transmit it to others, you think of the impact that they had, uh, obviously over the centers, uh, centuries, it, it meant that they had integrated something very, very deeply. They weren't just going there, just, you know, I'm just too tired, let's have, some, let's have a barbecue, you know, and have a few beers. Uh, these moments of rest were truly uh, transformational to them. Right? And so it means uh, that we have to uh, understand more deeply what rest is really all about, because our modern society... I would say has a rather truncated and uh, you know, uh, erroneous understanding of the notion of rest. And, and this, uh, what I will have recourse to is a famous uh, German philosopher, Joseph Pieper, 
who you may have uh, heard of. He's written a number of books on the virtues. He's written a book on the cardinal virtues and on the theological virtues. And uh, he's written a very famous and very influential book called Leisure, the Basis of Culture. So why don't I just give you some snapshots from that book um, for you simply to reflect on, but I myself haven't reflected on it enough. Um, so it, there's still a lot there. Now, you've got to remember this was written in 1947 in Germany after Germany had been completely destroyed and was in the process of uh, reconstruction and the delusion or the, the sort of removing of all the resentment that had built up uh, in Germany. So it was a, you know, it was a time of rebuilding in Germany and the people were working. It was like rebuilding, rebuilding all the disaster of the war. And it would seem that leisure didn't seem to, what, to be what they needed now. They needed to like, get to work, get your hard hand, let's go, get to work. We've got to build that bridge and so forth. Right? But, um, you know, Pieper really explains that this is precisely the time to take leisure seriously since it's the time when we seek to understand what are we really building for? What is the purpose of rebuilding? What is the essential purpose? And um, because now we do have a wrong idea of leisure because... Uh, why do we have a wrong idea of leisure? Because we have a rather twisted understanding of work. We have a wrong understanding of work. And we have an understanding of work that, that suggests that it's work that is what is useful, uh, it's what gets things done, whereas leisure is what we have in order to veg out, right, and do, do nothing. You know, so you hear that something, somebody will say, what are you doing this week? I'm just, I'm just, uh, just going to do nothing. I'm just going to binge Netflix and do nothing, right? So, well, it's a wrong idea of leisure, but it's also because it's a wrong idea of work. And, and so um, it's, it's, it's a philosophical understanding that today a lot of people kind of uh, refuse to acknowledge or, because it, it takes time to integrate this understanding of leisure. And it is based fundamentally on the Aristotelian understanding of leisure, which uh, is related to a skill, that is the skill to be able to enrich oneself with that which is truly, truly important, where you do something for itself, purely for itself, not for its instrumental purpose, which is in many ways what work does. You work in order to to arrive at leisure. You don't you don't take leisure in order to work. Like the central motif of our life cannot be work, right? Work is instrumental. Naturally, it's good. It's not bad. It can be sanctified. But the reason it can be sanctified is because it can lead you to something much more uh, central to uh, the meaning of our existence. If we never uh, stopped for leisure, we would have no idea why we exist, what the purpose of existence is, right? So leisure the purpose of leisure is to tap into the deepest meaning of our life and why we exist and that's why we really need it today because one of the deepest crises we have today in our world is what we might call uh, workaholism or activism which is almost described sometimes as a virtue you know oh yeah i'm an activist i, I can't stop i'm a, i'm work like like kind of like saying you know i'm a workaholic I, I work a lot like i'm i'm not lazy you know it's it's is what the false understanding is you know and so there are many things we can do in terms of leisure. It's, it's where you emphasize the value of just being. Not, it's the non-instrumental purpose of life, right? You just like exist for the sense of existing to enrich yourself, right? And you enrich yourself 
through reading, through uh, you know enjoying nature, uh, sports, art, aesthetics, beauty, right, music, right, all those things which like you play the violin or you know you just do it just to enjoy, just to like seep yourself into the beauty of the actual thing that you're doing. Like nature, like when you think, what did God do on the seventh day? He rested. He rested. Now, it's not because he was exhausted from those seven days, uh, or six days rather, of work. It's because that was the whole purpose of creation. Right? The whole purpose of all the distinctions that we see in the, in the creation narrative in the book of Genesis was that you arrive at the covenantal notion of why God does this. He makes a covenant with man. On the seventh day, he rests. It's as though that was the purpose of all that, so that God could kind of like enjoy uh, the fruits of his labor, of all that he did. And uh, that's why uh, it is a, I recommend that you do this during the summer. If you could just like do this, go out for a walk in the woods, far from the 401, you know, if you can, <laughs> right? Just go and listen to the birds chirp, listen to the, the wind rustle in the, in the trees, um, listen to the, the, the water, what's it called, rustling in, in, the, in, in the streams, right? And just like take it in because it's, it's, that's the purpose of trees. Their purpose is to sway in the wind. That's their purpose, right? And, uh, or the birds, what are they made for? They're made to, to, to sing, right? But if we gonna get annoyed by this because we don't have time to go and, and fix this or do that or prepare something else, it's as though we've lost a sense of the very purpose of creation. Creation is there to hear us, have us hear birds chirping. You know? And uh, in French, there's a, I don't know what they call that in English, there's a, there's a tree called les trembles. Does anybody know French, les trembles? Uh, Poplars, there you go, exactly, the poplars. And what's, what's interesting about that word, les trembles, you know, it means to tremble. And when you see, I always know when there's a, a poplar, because they, they, go, they shine, you know, they go shine back and forth, and it, and it, it gives you a, a poetic sense of nature when you see les trembles. And there's a, in Quebec, there's a place called Pointe aux Trembles, and it's all poplars everywhere. And you're looking around, they're going, hi, we're here, we're shaking, you know. Because the, the reflection of the, on one side it's a shiny, and the other side it's kind of matte, you know. And, that, and it has this, this effect that is just, it's just like, wow, that's amazing, you know. And uh, that's why some people like to drive, they just go for a long drive, and they just take in nature, right. So, that's why we call it recreation. Recreation. It's re-creating, right? Re-experiencing the act of God's creation, right? Letting it truly uh, sink in that sense. So uh, that, that is what we do in recreation. We kind of recreate ourselves eh, in line with the purpose of nature itself. We renew the, ourselves from the very depths of our being. We focus on the very goodness of life itself. And if we don't get leisure right, we will definitely not get work right. You know, or, or better, if we don't get work right, we will not understand the real nature of leisure itself. And I know there's a whole bunch of thoughts or, or theories about leisure that it's kind of like a waste of time. You know, you're not really, you got to get back to work. What are you doing wasting your time? Get back to work, right? Uh, and that, that suggests that one has a faulty understanding of work itself, right? So I suppose we could use... Uh, rest too, but I, I use the word that people use as uh, leisure. 
but we sometimes see leisure as a secondary uh, activity that serves another. You know, like, like, so, okay, you're coming to the summer now. Okay, now I can chill out. I can catch up on all those series that I wanted to watch. And, uh, you know, I can go and do some exercise finally. And then in September, well, it's going to be all gone. And I'm just going to, you know, work, work. We use work. You know, I'm going to go on the author. I'm going to work. You know? So, um, when it's the other way around, right? It's the actually the other way around. That... Um, to rest in order to be able to work is wrong-headed but we really leisure is the only activity that is a good in and of itself right so as contemplation so as reading so as prayer so as art so as nature that's why St. Josemaria used to speak about being contemplatives in the middle of the world right that is to be contemplative is to do something super super essential, right? Fundamental, good in and of itself, as we say. And one sign that we have lost that is to get bored, right? To get bored. I mean, kids, I'm sure you've heard that a lot, right? Mom, I'm bored, you know? So that's great. If they get bored, do not entertain them. Do not entertain them because they'll think, for me to get out of bored, I have to entertain myself. And it's like, I'll talk a moment. So why is this? So leisure is a form of receptivity that the modern world has found it rather difficult to understand, that form of receptivity. It's therefore a condition of the soul. It's an inward calm, a silence. It's not being busy, just letting things happen. And for the Greeks, leisure was philosophy. There was a time, you know, when you know, in their early generations, in the early periods of man, man just moved around from what, you know, they were, we, were, we were, how do you call that, migrants, you know, we were um, grass here and stuff, nomads, you know, they would go, okay, it's not, it's, let's go to another place, and then they would go to another place. There was no notion of a stable, stable place for a group of people to stay. But then they, they figured out somehow agriculture, they could, <clears throat> you know, they could see the field and they could say, well, we could stay here. We could, yeah, this, this is going to work for us. And, and that led to stable places where uh, people would stay. And it meant that they, they could do other stuff, right? That was not simply working to survive. And that's the origin, ultimately, of uh, philosophy, right? They could think, well, why is the sun up there? Or if, if that is a sun, or, or is it the eye of God? Or what, you know, what exactly is the purpose of all? Why do we see this stuff? So all, all these great uh, philosophical questions. And that is the essence of leisure. It started with the Greeks in terms of philosophy, with the uh, Judeo-Christian tradition, it became uh, um, theology, right? And, um, and so uh, it's really the whole purpose, really, of life once those original elements uh, were uh, taken care of, right? For, for us, uh, it's, philo it's theology, right? The purpose of our lives, the meaning of our life, and that's why we, you know, we said earlier that uh, you know, God rested on the seventh day. He just dwelt in the goodness of creation itself. He was kind of like just enjoying it, just loving it, making a covenant with man. And that was the whole purpose of the covenant or, or, or the creation in the first place. And, and so the whole purpose of your leisure and your time of, of rest is really to freely acknowledge God in your life. The connection therefore it has to be deeply appreciated and 
to understand that, we have to understand the connection that exists between leisure and work. Uh, this uh, propensity toward work that we have in our society, toward a career, toward achievement, toward uh, technological solutions, um, all that mm, tone that is in our modern society, there, all this, you know, activism, you know, I, I think I spoke about this yesterday, the, the distinction between uh, uh, being productive and being fruitful, right? So today, most people just want to be productive. They want to crank out widgets. They want to do something that's useful, that can be helpful. They, there's this tremendous fear of, of being somehow useless, of not doing anything useful, right? That's the productivity mindset. And most people are kind of stuck in that. Whereas the deeper one is to be fruitful, and it doesn't rely on producing useful things. To be fruitful is much deeper, and you can be fruitful just by praying. You can be fruitful just by contemplating, right? just by reading, you know, you, you, by sharing your own knowledge, by talking about it, right? by music. Right? And, uh, and so um, technological solution that we have of doing many things uh, is the deepest reason for the refusal to accept this gift no matter where it comes from. And, and that's what uh, leisure does. It helps us to receive. It's very receptive. Right? Today we might also call this technological uh, paradigm as uh, activism or voluntarism. Our value is based on all the things we can do and produce and, uh, and so forth, and rather than just on this silence. And, and, and in fact, there, there is a, an increasing alienation today um, from those habits of receptivity or of leisure or of silence, of prayer, of Sabbath, of worship, and, and forms of service, you know, like that are not too useful to us, like service to the poor and, and things like that, right? And so that's why we have in the Judeo-Christian tradition the, the idea of both worship and Sabbath, right? The Sabbath was very important for the Jews, right? And, uh, and for us, it has been transferred to the Sunday, right? And uh, it is meant to be a tradition of a contemplative act on the Sabbath where we, where we f see this as the core of leisure since it, it really gives us real rest. You know, St. Augustine said that famous phrase, uh, our hearts are restless until they rest in you, O God, right? That famous line, right? They're restless. And they're, they're not actually resting. They're not, you know, that's what we're going to do in heaven. We're going to be resting in God, you know, it's sort of enjoying our real purpose. You know, we say, may he rest in peace, you know? And to us, it sounds like, we're, oh, he's just going to go to bed and just lie there forever, you know, and, and snore, you know? I mean, as though, as though rest is sleeping. And uh, no, to rest is to, is to, how can I say, to focus in or to exist merely in one's purpose or only in one's purpose. And that's why in the Judeo-Christian tradition, you know, we set times aside uh, exclusively for the property of God and our purpose. Right? That's why we call holidays holy days. They're holy days. Right? And, uh, uh, and the, the Sabbath, well, that's the word, the, Jew, the Hebrew word for rest, sabbath, shabbat, shabbat, it means rest. Uh, but it does not mean do nothing. It's a state uh, that kind of gives rest to the, to the restless heart. And so um, this is increasingly relevant today, given that we're in a kind of a total work culture 
where we always need this productivity. We always need to be doing something. Um, even when we're supposedly resting, we're doing something. And the reality is that they, uh, these, in our culture today, it's very difficult to escape work. It's always with us. And, and, uh, and so we, we might expect that this would lead us to vibrancy, uh, but the fact that we feel that we always have to do something is at the core of this question of boredom. That's, that's why boredom exists. Uh, because we replace boredom or the danger of boredom by, 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 by doing stuff, you know, by cleaning the kitchen and, and, and doing, 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 doing stuff and, and going to the computer and checking out this. And, uh, you know, like I think if you look at a past uh, generation, people will tell you uh, that there, were ample, there was always ample time, you know. Like a generation before me, uh, they, they would tell you, you know, you're growing up, there's tons of time. You just read, you go out for walks, there's tons of... Now, I have no time. I have no time to do that. I just, you know, uh, I have to finish this, I have to do that, I have to... You know, when you think, there's so many, so many machines that do all that stuff for us, you know. In the past, you, there was just like tons of time. You, 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 I guess before there were washing machines, you, you had to do the cleaning yourself, you know. You had to, and, uh, but, but there's still a deep sense uh, of ample time, right? And I, I'm not exactly sure, but I think that's what is at the root. To be, to be bored means to be afraid to, to face yourself as you really are in, in your own meaning. And, um, uh, and so boredom results from the problem of the, the, the problem of grasping reality as it really is in and of itself. And so, you know, the, the Chesterton said that, that there are no uninteresting things, only uninteresting people. <laughs> and uh, because they're not able, they're, they're kind of stultified in that. You know? Um, you know, at times we speak about the phone, the line is broken, there's interference, I can't, I can't hear what you're saying, I'm getting, the line is being dropped, and, uh, we don't get the whole message, you know. So, uh, you know, we really need to embrace the entire message of creation the message of God, right? The message of Jesus Himself. This is what the apostles were doing when they were resting, right? They were they were taking in uh, everything, right? The, the miracles themselves are motives of credibility. You know, you see a guy healing a blind man like that. Well, that's a motive. That's a motive to think that he is he has divine power, right? But that's just a motive of credibility, and it's obviously very important. But then, you know, the whole mystery of redemption has to be like deeply understood by the apostles. They have to be imbued, they have to be infected by it. So rest is, is not just one of those things that we should do once in a while. It is really intimately uh, related in the way we live. So, it, I mean, you're going to rest now, presumably, during the summer holidays and stuff, but it really is something that we have to reconsider and uh, see how it can truly uh, in, enrich us. And, uh, and so uh, today many people are dedicate much of their attention to all the things that they have to do in the in the external world, their work, their study, their family, their friends, and uh, they try to do all those things very well. They have uh, responsibilities. Um, they want to please others. Uh, students want to get good marks. They want to be recognized and all that. And they want to respond to all those demands. And those, those things can stress us a lot, right? When you think about, why, why am I really stressed? Why? 
you know, I'm worried that I'm not going to respond to all those demands. Uh, but often, that stress is also due to the fact that they're not really enriching their interior world. Right? The, all the stress is due to, I have to do this, I have to make sure that she recognizes, you know, and, uh, and so um, there are much deeper spiritual, physical, uh, and psychological needs. Right? And so just a, a few words then um, about uh, Pieper's discussion on the relationship between work and leisure. So, I mean, it's essentially the same thing I've been saying, but um, uh, he talks about uh, the categories of leisure, uh, religion, so that there's religion, philosophy, social, aesthetic, and, and others. So religion is... Um, has to do with the soul, it has to do with unity, has to do with contemplation, prayer, worship, Sabbath. So the, the purpose of Sabbath is to be able to pray. The category of uh, philosophy or school, uh, that's, now that's the element of the intellect, the uh, element of the contemplation of the truth. Right? That's why it seems to me that it is very sad when people uh, describe when they say, you know, well, that's your truth. You know, that's you, you. That you can believe that if you want. I have my truth, as though truth were something that. Well, I mean, it's not actually truth anymore, right? It's just like an idea that's floating around, right? So, um, the philosophical categories of leisure have to do with intellect, with truth, insight into the nature of things, and not merely uh, distraction. You have to really think like if you could you know read a you know a novel or something that leads you into this insight conversations which challenge us more uh, on who we are right? and ultimately i mean the greek word for leisure is skola skola which is where we get the word school from and that's what you're involved in here right so that we can thereby uh tap into the greater meaning of things. But that's an intellectual action or a philosophical action. There's the leisure and the dimension of the social, uh, which has to do with family, relations, uh, engagement with others, uh, development of the community, the formation of the person, our will, you know, engaging on those who are on the margins, and so forth. There is uh, the aesthetic dimension, right? which has to do with music, art, film, drama, nature, and all that. And you'll see that uh, sometimes in museums. Um, you know, museums, uh, you, you have these tremendous works of art. If you pay attention to how fast people go through those, right, uh, you, you can have a massive work of art, and people go, okay, got seen that, now let's keep going, or, you know, where's the cafeteria, you know? Like, museums should take forever to look at, you know, because every work of art, you know, they have a little blurb there next to it, and people, they see the work of art, and they go right to the blurb, right? And, uh, and uh, so leisure would be in just, like, let's just enjoy this beautiful work of art. It's, so leisure has to do with the aesthetic, or just, or music, you know, just to listen profoundly to a beautiful piece by Bach, you know, and, uh, or a beautiful piece by Mozart, or, or um, you know, Beethoven, right? I, I heard this saying that, um, Bach tells you how God thinks. Mozart tells you how God loves. And Beethoven tells you how God creates by, by the different uh, nuances in their work. And, and indeed, you listen to Bach and it's like, whoa! You know, like you listen to a, a beautiful uh, 
uh, you know, concerto, you know, like the uh, the mass in D minor, like you're there, whoa, you just like if you could just like sit there and just enjoy it, you know, uh, and and of course same with uh, something like Mozart, you know, and, um, and then other things like I said, nature, sports, sleep, but especially nature, you know, if we could really. Um, have a new focus on the way we go through nature, and there's tons of nature that we could go through here, or even our act, our sporting activity. So, just a few more words, uh, um, just so we understand better um, the nature of leisure. Uh, you could say that leisure is a form of silence or a form of stillness. Eh? mainly because it's a form of deep receptivity where you don't kind of don't have to do anything proactively you know you stop and you allow a reality to present itself to you in its fullness and we could ask that you know like how much of your day is actually silent that's why saint Josemaria he spoke about the time of the afternoon so you know after lunch it's got to be a time that is a little bit more silent. You try to turn off the devices. You try not to, to engage too much, like to be more silent when you're working so you can be a contemplative. And then he said, in the evening when you do your examination of conscience, it should be a, a quiet time, not unnecessary talking and stuff, you know. And uh, that, that would be good that we see if, if we could tone down the rhetoric and, and, and have truly a silent time. And it's necessary, silence is necessary to apprehend reality. And it's not only from things, but in things. It's 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 not silence is not noiselessness, eh? but the soul's power to receive the whole of creation, uh, and not merely its parts. So it's not only no noise. It's it's this active engagement, right? They say the only only the silent here, only the silent really here, and. Um, and so the wise man seeks uh, the silence that deafens uh, every fool, as, is, as he said. No? And uh, he said, Pieper said, unless we regain the art of silence and insight, the ability for non-activity, unless we substitute true leisure for our hectic amusements, we will destroy our culture and ourselves. So, um, so yeah, so leisure is not an escape through consumption and amusement. It's really an open confrontation uh, with ourselves. And for that, we need that silence, that ability to examine ourselves uh, through that silence. And then a few words about um, leisure is also, as he describes, a form of celebration, a form of festivity, because uh, it affirms the basic meaningfulness of creation and one senses one's oneness with the beauty of creation so when you see the beauty of creation when you see a beautiful flower when you see the birds somehow we are we are indeed part of that and that is something to celebrate and so celebrations or feasts are should always be easy they should always be kind of like delightful they should require no exertion at at such you know and it, it you know, the celebration is ultimately the end of our work, the purpose of our work. And we kind of celebrate the beauty of creation. Um, so the, the distortion of leisure as celebration, we see that in the commercialization of Christmas or the decadence of certain uh, festivals, uh, the trivialization of other feasts like Easter. 
and um, you know that's why we have to really see what uh, is needs to be worthwhile and worthy of uh, of uh, celebration. And then the other point is that leisure is non-instrumental, non-instrumental. That is, it is we ju- we don't produce anything. It's just a sense of of uh, there's no sense of economic utility, right? It just provides us the time to look beyond what is productive. You know, we said. Some are exclusively productive, others are fruitful. Beyond the social function of this, right? It's, it doesn't have any other purpose than, you know, in and of itself. Uh, and that's important because we are in a kind of uh, amusement uh, culture, right? We have these boys that, were, that are coming in these different uh, camps, and one of the things they all want to do is go to Canada's Wonderland. They like the idea of producing the most intense emotion that, you know, you're going down something and then they take a picture of you just when you're freaking out at the most, uh, and then they sell you that for $10, you know? So, um, you know, and that that would have been unheard of uh, in the past, the idea that, and not, not even that long ago, right? The idea that amusement is, is like, is like a, a market that you produce it's like, it's almost as though there was a, a fear that if, if we don't freak these people out, they're going to get bored, you know? If we don't freak them out with some, you know, thing like this, you know? Uh, you know. And so, um, so when leisure, like, I'm going to Wonderland to enjoy myself, when it's exclu- exclusively restricted to entertainment and consumption like that, well, it, then it fails to do what it's supposed to do, you know, to provide a deep rest and results in peace. Um, you know, we see we see that. Like, why would you? Why do you want to freak yourself out going on one of those things? You know, I mean, it's the same thing with these uh, movies. You know, uh, you know, with the you know they call it, yeah, we're gonna watch a mindless action movie. Do you want to join us? You know, a mindless action movie. Sure, yeah, I'll join you for a mindless action movie. Huh? And um, and so um, when people are consumed in a substantial amount of that kind of entertainment. Well, then they are definitely far from being relaxed or rested in any way. They're not actually resting. Uh, rather, they become more restless, and everything there is engineered so that they are restless right? or diseased. And also, uh, you know, you see this among uh, teenagers now. They get up at 12, you know, uh, or whatever, very, very late, and then they, you know, slip in to have su- lunch or supper or something. And so too much sleep makes one very tired. It increases one's tired, it makes one more sluggish, and kind of one of the worst part of it is apathetic. And, and that's why too much entertainment makes one bored, apathetic, restless, anxious. And the lack of leisure and its deepest spiritual receptivity results in the famous Aristotelian concept of achedia, you know, which people also uses. We use the word lukewarmness. Uh, achedia is a kind of blah, you know, to be bored. Because when someone, when they only, they've lost their spiritual power to be at leisure, then they end up being bored. And that's a that's a great disease in our culture today. What we what he would call uh, achedya. Now, this doesn't mean that inher- uh, uh, entertainment, you know, watching Netflix and stuff is inherently bad. It's not that it's evil or something, right? But it's a form of leisure that will not produce rest in and of itself. It will not truly enrich us. When leisure is understood only in terms of entertainment, uh, 
Well, it actually lacks the meaning that is truly satisfactory, or, or satisfactory, right? Satisfactory to the human heart and to the human mind. And it lacks meaning. And uh, since, you know, so much lies on the pursuit of pleasure and the avoidance of, of pain, as, as though that were really to rest, make you rest. But leisure understood in these terms of pursuit of pleasure in the avoidance of pain is essentially, essentially leads to boredom, essentially leads to idleness. And it's as though when you're just being entertained and ooh, ah, uh, you're somehow avoiding reality and the richness of reality. And this refusal makes people kind of complacent. It's what leads to the famous line that Pope Francis used, you become a couch potato. Right? <laughs> and uh, he used that phrase, you know, I don't want you to become couch potatoes. You know? and, um, and so it's kind of like this search for exotic leisure and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, activities uh, or, or, you know, video games and stuff. So um, it's what he said in Krakow 2016. He said that, we spoke of a, a paralysis that comes from merely seeking convenience, from confusing happiness with a complacent way of life that would end up depriving people of the ability to determine their own fates. Dear young people, we didn't come into this world to vegetate, eh? uh, to take it easy, or to make our lives a comfortable sofa to fall asleep on. No, we came for another reason, to leave a mark. Eh? Okay, so... Yeah, so there's a few more things I could say, but I think, uh, yeah, we have to be aware of this amusement culture and uh, when, when leisure is totally restricted to consumption of entertainment and it fails to do what it is precisely supposed to do, to, to provide deep rest, uh, deep connection with our purpose. You might want to look up that book uh, by Joseph Pieper, German philosopher, uh, leisure the basis of culture.